Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Nathan. Nathan, compulsive overeater. Just to qualify, I uh, came into these rooms the week of December 8th, 2008. Uh, I got absent December 24th, 2008. On December 26th, 2008, I weighed in at 360 pounds. Currently, I'm down just over 100 pounds. And uh, I brought proof. I'm going to pass around some pictures. I'm going to warn you, there's a fat guy in his underwear. (laughs) Not really. Um, I went ahead and brought some of my uh, bigger clothes. My top weight was a size 58. My top waistline was a size 58. These are actually my uh, tight pants, the ones that didn't need a belt. (laughs) Size 56. going to turn those into a three-piece suit later. <laughs> what it was like, um, I uh, I hear a lot of people say that uh, they became a compulsive overeater, and I respect their programs just as much, but uh, I was born one. Um, it might not have been obvious right away, because uh, I had limited access to food. I wasn't starving by any means, but, uh, you know, I just... It didn't really show until I was about eight years old. But from the get-go, I used food to uh, suppress my emotions, to uh, just hide from reality. I had a great childhood. My dad spanked me once, and he cried more than I did. <laughs> and it was my choice to be spanked. It was either that or, God forbid, go without television for a week. You know, my priorities were in order. No? <laughs> Um, I look back at my age and I, I, I gauge how old I was by what I weighed. I know in uh, third grade I was 130 pounds. I know that because I uh, was in a wrestling competition and they weighed you in. And for some reason I just, it sounded great. Um, you know, I'm 100 pounds. That sounds about right. And they're like, well, we better weigh you. Turned out I was 130 pounds. And, you know, that must have been a mistake. The the scale must have been off. You know, it couldn't have been me. In, uh, in sixth grade, I was 180 pounds. By eighth grade, I was 240 pounds. By the time I was 18, I was 300 pounds. And by the time I was 24, I was 360 pounds. I'm not sure if I said it, but I, my top documented weight was 360 pounds. I probably got a little bigger. I was eating a little better before uh, I weighed weighed in for the first time. I uh, food just takes control. It really does. Uh, it's my drug of choice. I abstain from white flour, deep fried foods, chocolate, and uh, I'm actually allowed to have uh, frozen yogurt, ice cream, and gelato. 
I just have to, you know, get permission from my sponsor first and, you know, tell him the great reason why I should have it. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is it's been about a year since I've had, you know, frozen yogurt or any of those goodies. I'll, uh, I'll call him with just a great reason why I should have it. And I'm convinced that this is going to do it. And by the second ring, I just hang up. <laughs> Don't even bother. I, uh, I remember when I was getting ready to give it up, I told him I wasn't sure if it could be on my abstinence. And he was like, that's fine. It doesn't have to be on your abstinence. Just call me first. And to this day, I've, I've tried to convince him of a good reason once. And it just it didn't work out very well. And so, yeah, it's been about a year for that. Um, chocolate wasn't initially on my abstinence either. That's been about six months. Uh, I, I was working security for a while, and uh, I'd uh, be walking around all day. And, uh, you know, it's an eight-hour shift of walking around, you know. I deserve a snack, you know. and Just not on my break times, because that's, you know, sleeping time. Uh, so I'd sneak chocolate, you know. And, yeah, I paid for it, but I just... Uh, I'd be walking around eating chocolate bars. You know, I don't do that with broccoli. (laughs) Just doesn't do it for me. Carrots, maybe. Uh, Food, certain foods just, you know, make me do things that I never would do. Uh, I'm an addict. And my disease manifests itself, you know, and my... My uh, food's on my abstinence list. Uh, there's a definition in the big book that I really enjoy on uh, page 50 in the story Freedom from Bondage. Rationalization is giving a socially acceptable reason for socially unacceptable behavior, and socially unacceptable behavior is a form of insanity. My form of insanity came when I was working at a pizza establishment. I... Uh, I lived with my uh, shift leader, and uh, we'd closed, and it had, it was a few hours later, and we were uh, we were doing an outside substance that really increases your appetite. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> got hungry, you know, and pizza sounded like a good idea, so. Wearing our uniforms in my car, we went, used his key, because, you know, when it's his key, we're not breaking and entering, um, to get in, and we made pizza at, like, 2 in the morning. Didn't take any money. What's the money good for? You can't eat it, you know? Made pizza. That's that's where this disease takes me. I'm not going to steal from the register... I'm going to steal from the pantry or the, or the freezer. Um, I ended up working at a Girl Scout camp a couple of years later. I was the head cook. And uh, after, the, uh, after the camp was over with, the program director 
said, you know, go ahead and disperse all the excess uh, Girl Scout cookies amongst the uh, counselors. (laughs) 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 Well, magically, two cases of cookies uh, ended up in my truck before uh, (laughs) I I passed them out between the counselors. And then I still took my fair share, you know. Got to have got to look out for myself, you know. And I uh, I remember a buddy of mine came to my house a few days later and two cases of Girl Scout cookies is a lot of cookies. And he just grabbed the box and started eating. And I ripped him a new one. How dare you eat my cookies? Those are mine. <laughs> and he's like, you can't do this to me, you know. It... You know, there's all these cookies. you got to let me have some. And my response was, you know, I don't see a sign where it says, free cookies, take some. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a nice person when you eat my food. You know? Liable to get stabbed with the fork. I mean, my, uh, my dad, uh, Ended up having Lou Gehrig's disease when uh, I was just about 14. So I was 13. And uh, it got worse. It got bad quick. And uh, my aunt would bring knishes to the house. And, uh, you know, they were for him. And she'd get me some, too. And somehow his disappeared. Sometimes I mean I will, I will take food from a dying man. That's that's how sick I am. I mean, it gets bad. Uh, ended up going to Culinary Academy. Surprisingly enough, I did really well there. Um, was a class ambassador. I represent what they want out of a student. Uh, and somehow managed to get perfect attendance. You know why miss school? Eat all day. <laughs> you know, uh, God, I owe them an immense. Uh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, worked as a chef for a couple of years, and uh, I was I was doing uh, I was working at a retirement facility, and uh, I was putting in like twelve hour days, and my legs would go numb at the end of the day. And uh, I didn't think much of it, you know, 12 hour day. Your legs might go numb, it happens. Well, uh, I'd get, you know, three to four days off sometimes. And uh, eventually it got so bad to where, like, when I started the shift, my legs would already be numb. And instead of uh, seeking medical attention, I just quit, you know. Why look after myself? Just take the easy way out which requires less less effort Um, did a couple other random jobs and ended up at a working at an office job at a truck stop and uh, again I uh, before I started working that office job I was smoking a lot of pot but uh, you had to pass a drug test to get this job so I quit smoking and I gained weight. I gained like 60 pounds. 
that doesn't happen to normal people. You, know, you quit smoking pot, you usually lose weight. But, you know, I felt like I was entitled to eat more since I couldn't check out in another way. Um, I worked at this job for about a year. And they had two breaks and a lunch for the normies. But, uh, you know, I'm special. And uh, they had this uh, lunch truck come by twice a day. And uh, my dog, I have a Siberian Husky at my mom's house. And uh, when you, mellow dog. You know, but when you turn that can opener on, he starts wagging his tail and starts jumping up and down and, you know, real happy, panting and stuff. And, you know, that lunch truck, its horn was uh, mariachi music. And I hear mariachi music, I think, great, it's time to eat. You know, to this day, I get all happy, you know. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have a tail. Um, had an opportunity to go back to school. So I took it, you know, why work when, you know, I could just go to school. Uh, and uh, did that for about six or seven months. And I wasn't really accomplishing anything because I was too big for the desks. You know, why... Uh, it just didn't really work out well. Um, I probably could have sit in the disabled students' desk, but, you know, that's where different people go, and I didn't want to stand out, you know, not like I didn't already being, you know, 5'11", 360 pounds. Uh, so I quit going to school, and that's when uh, I just really hit rock bottom. I ended up uh, just staying at my mom's house just playing online video games for a little over a year uh you know just spending about a hundred to two hundred dollars a week on groceries or fast food and just being angry and miserable you know walking around and the same clothes for you know days at a time I'm sure I smelled great uh my uh, my aunt she uh, she has this habit of uh, making me breakfast in bed. You know, poor me. You know, making me breakfast in bed, and I always use that as an excuse to uh, go out to eat because she didn't make what I want. You know, I'm a chef; I should be able to cook what I want. How dare she cook for me? When the truth is, I was just looking for a reason to eat. I, uh, I'm good at excuses. Uh, I'd go get pizza. I'd order two extra large pizzas, let my mom have a slice, let my aunt have a slice, and then finish the rest of the pizzas. Because, you know, if they each have a slice from different pizzas, I'm not eating the whole pizza. <laughs> um, and eventually... Uh, I, uh, I ran out of money. Ended up moving with, moving in with another aunt, and uh, she was out of town at the time. And 
I, I did it so I could, you know, quit smoking pot again. I wasn't thinking about the food. You know, I, I didn't have a problem. Um, and when I got there, um, my Eskimo was there. He was house-sitting. Actually, he lived there. And to those of you who don't know, an Eskimo is the person that brings you in the program. Uh, this is a man I remember at 450 pounds. He was the guy that made me feel okay because, you know, at least he's bigger than I am. Uh, I, uh, he opened the door and he was in his tidy whities and nothing else and he was smaller than I was. And I'm from the Inland Empire. You know, I stereotype people if they, uh, and in the Inland Empire, if you've lost weight, you know, we think you're on speed. You know, methamphetamine. Um, I, I was looking for a bike that he was riding or something, and I was going to ask him to share. Uh, I knew that he was like on some sort of diet or something, but didn't really pay much attention. But that's when it happened. That's when I did something that I'm not used to doing. I asked for help. I asked him what he was doing. And uh, he said that uh, he's an Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, I didn't have much going on. I was living with my aunt. I didn't have a job. I just ran up like a $4,000 credit card bill. Life wasn't that great. I figured, I'll check it out. I asked him if he'd take me to meetings. And I, also what I did was... I was trying to get all the information out of him so I could, you know, do it my way because I know the best. Um, he wouldn't tell me much about it. He told me, you know, you're going to hear a lot about God and higher powers and don't worry about that yet. You know, just, just go to a meeting. And uh, the first meeting we went to was actually a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was a big book study. And... Uh, I didn't really relate. I under I, I, I kind of I related to the big book, what it said in there. I have no idea what we were reading, um, what chapter we were on. But uh, the next day we went to Friday Night Live in Long Beach, and this like fifty-something-year-old Jewish lady was talking about food. The way I the way I ate. She she was talking about, you know, situations and just binges the way I binged. And what really made me feel good was that she said that she still drank and for some reason that was important. Uh, needed to check out somehow, you know. I never was one for alcohol. I get terrible hangovers and just it's bad enough to where I choose to check out another way. But somehow knowing that you know, I could drink while in this program somehow made me feel better. Um, went to another meeting, went to Kitchen Sink, and uh, this, like, stick figure was leading the meeting, you know. <laughs> I was 360 pounds. This lady was a healthy weight, and, you know, at the weight I was, that was considered, she was considered a stick figure. 
And she t- again, she talked about food the way I talked about food, and she brought up something that I never really thought of. She, she brought up having a binge buddy. And I remember having some binge buddies. I actually buried one of them. Uh, and she talked about, uh, you know, her first abstinence being uh, three meals a day. And I got scared. Only three meals a day? But... Uh, she said, you know, and at first there were three mountains of food. And that made me feel a little better. You know, <laughs> I might be able to handle that. And, you know, that's what I did. That wasn't my abstinence, but I started eating three meals a day. And they were mountains of food. Uh, I um, started going to more meetings. I went to Serenity Sunday that next day. And uh, I remember walking in and seeing this heavy set fellow like early 40s wearing a shirt that said like former rebel or something and I just remember thinking oh who's he kidding this guy's a joke and uh, he took a candle for one year and said that he used to be like 540 pounds and he was he was my size or a little smaller and I remember thinking wow I don't have I can't say it politely with what I want to say the way I felt about myself and so I'm just not going to but I didn't really feel that great about myself afterwards and uh, kept going to meetings people started talking about sponsors and uh, I figured that seems like a good idea I might I might get a sponsor and uh, I'm actually pretty good at procrastinating I'm actually really good at procrastinating. Um, I could teach a class. Uh, And uh, luckily, my higher power kicked in. And at Serenity Sunday, the week of the 24th of December, a sponsor found me. And uh, he asked me, a couple questions. He, he came up to me and asked if he knew me. And I knew he didn't. But I, I went along with the game. And I was like, I don't know, maybe you know me from Temple or something. And he, he was like, no, no. And I lied to him a little. I, I lied to him a lot. Who am I kidding? And uh, he asked me if I was desperate. And I said, yeah. But what I was thinking was, yeah, I was, I'm desperate to lose weight. And he asked me if I was willing to do whatever it took. And again, I said, yeah, you know, under my breath, you know, to lose weight. Because that's what it's all about. <laughs> um, he gave me his number and told me to uh, read five pages from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and to write about it. I got part of it right. I called him the next day. But, you know, reading and writing, that takes effort. I I wanted this to be done for me, not to, you know, take action. And he called me on it. He's like, you know, we can't continue this if you don't, uh, if you don't, uh, do what I do. And he seemed pretty stern, so I was like, I better do what this guy says, you know. And I, um... 
I did. And uh, he had me do a food inventory. And uh, turns out that uh, white flour and deep fried foods are my, you know, drug of choice at the time. I found more. Um, and he's like, okay, today's your last day of, you know, eating the way you're used to. And so I had my last meal. And, you know, I still kind of get angry at myself for choosing the last meal that I did. Because <laughs> it involved chicken. And I've had plenty of chicken since. Uh, but that next day I had my first meal. My first abstinent meal. And... Uh, started reading the big book, started working the steps, and uh, started getting honest with myself. It's kind of hard to, you know, read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, not relate if you're really an addict. And uh, he had me doing writing on it, and unfortunately... I wasn't completely honest with him, and the sponsor-sponsee relationship really wasn't working. Up until recently, I tried, you know, making it sound like it was his fault, but it was mine. I just was not being honest with him. I tried to impress him through lies, and uh, ended up firing him, but I knew that I needed a sponsor. Sponsors just... They help so much. You know, I'm a big sponsor enthusiast. I think people that aren't addicted to anything should have a sponsor. Um, <laughs> and so uh, my higher power looked out for me again and found a sponsor for me that uh, wouldn't, you know, buy into, you know, he wouldn't be impressed by what I was trying to tell him. And... Uh, I actually wanted his sponsee to sponsor me. This man uh, wasn't exactly ideal weight, but his personality and just his his happiness was just really attractive, and I wanted that. And but he wasn't qualifying as a sponsor, and my sponsor wasn't qualifying either. But uh, I uh, luckily got the sponsor that I have now. I've worked the steps with this man. I did, I tried telling him that I've already done the first two steps, so let's just get to the third, and he's like, no, nah, let's, let's do it my way, and luckily I didn't fight him on it, I actually did some extra work, and that just baffles me, I don't know where that came from, but I did it, he, uh, I just wanted to do the fourth step, you know, now, but, you know. I did the writing assignment for the first step, did the writing assignment for the second step, and was starting to get nervous about the the fourth step, but I I knew I had the third step to procrastinate on. And he was like, all right, time to do your third step. And all it was was a prayer. And he was like, now it's time for the fourth step. And I was like, all right, people, you know, take a while on this. It's okay if I take a while. I made the mistake of calling my grand sponsor and telling him that I was on my fourth step. 
and uh, this is probably one of my best mistakes ever, and I'm grateful for it every day. I told him I had just started on my four-step, and he was like, well, just do it. And, you know, again, like I said, I'm good at making excuses. I told him, well, you know, I just started, you know, I'll get it done soon enough. He's like, just do it. And I started to make another excuse, and he was like, just do it. And I'm sure this gentleman didn't swear, but I heard him swearing when he said it. And uh, I did it. 37 37 days later, my fourth step was done, and I was ready to read read it to my sponsor. And uh, that's really a blessing of this program. I was able to be completely honest with someone for the first time. This gentleman knows my secrets. He knows everything I'm embarrassed of, everything I'm ashamed of. And some of the stuff were like, I was just sure that he was going to be like, wow, you're terrible. You know, he was like, that's it? Really? And that was such a relief. That was such a weight taken off my chest. You know, and sixth step, you know, was kind of humbling, admitting that I actually had character defects. I know I'm not perfect. I can't believe it. Um, praying, doing the seventh step and praying for uh, for them to be removed. It's kind of hard because, you know, I actually like some of them. Uh, <laughs> uh Eighth step, admitting, uh, writing a list of people that uh, I had harmed and made amends, need to make amends to, and then, you know, started making amends. Amends are fun. They really are. And I'm not being sarcastic here. I really have been able to see some of, I've really been able to uh, see the, I don't want to say beauty, but just the the good in people through some of the amends that I've had to make. I went up to a buddy of mine, and he was in the Navy. And of course, I you know made jokes about him being in the Navy. You can think of that what you will, or take it where you want to take it. I probably made fun of him that way. Obviously, there were some YMCA jokes, uh, and. Uh, He's like, dude, it's okay. You know, you're, you're becoming a better person now. You know, don't even worry about it. And I have one friend who just was like, I don't care about what happened. You're changing in a way that I'm glad. You know, I I like the person you're becoming. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. You don't owe me any amends. I'm still going to have to write him a letter. But, you know, I know I'm going to do it. Um, tenth step, you know, daily inventory. I'd love to say I do it every day properly, but, you know, I do that step imperfectly. Meditation for the eleventh step has really helped. really helps clear my mind. When I was doing security, it was a great thing to do during lunch. Instead of binging, I was meditating, followed by a 20-minute nap. <laughs> you know, now I do it when I'm exercising. Uh, and the amazing thing is the 12th step, passing it on. 
I have a sponsee now. He just got 30 days. He reminds me how sick I can be. It's just a blessing to see him and grow. I, I, the only way I can compare it is like a father seeing his son hit like you know a home run, which is kind of funny because my sponsee is like 20 years older than I am. Um, what it's like now. Um, it's not just about the weight. I, uh, if I had a top five list of what this program has done for me, I don't even think the weight would reach number five. You know, um, March 15th, 2009 was the 10 year anniversary of my dad's death. And, uh, it's like 79 days of program, something like that. But importantly, I was clean. I wasn't suppressing the emotions. I was able to go to that man's grave and really just let out my emotions and, you know, cry. Because I didn't cry at his funeral. There was a reception filled with food. Why cry? I took it out on the chicken. You know? I, uh, but I was able to actually cry and just let it out let all those emotions out, actually tell him that I missed him and I didn't want him to go instead of lying to myself and saying it was better that he was gone. You know, this program helps me be honest with myself. And because of that, you know, I uh, I stay in a... I'm staying at my aunt's house now. And the bed that I'm staying on is like a single bed and it's really soft and it's kind of hard on the back. But that was the best night's sleep I have had in so long. And I've lost a lot of weight in this program. But that weight that was taken off my chest that next day, just the weight loss doesn't even compare. I, uh, I'm more comfortable with my body now. Just recently I've been going swimming, you know, just in swim trunks without a shirt, you know, and... I always used to blame it on my pale skin. I'll get sunburned. But, you know, modern science has provided us with this thing called sunscreen. And uh, I know I'm shocked it works. Uh, And so I use it. And, you know, I'm not completely comfortable with my body, but compared to where I was, you know, it's just night and day. My friends actually want me around. That is just mind-boggling. I have friends in Riverside and I'm out in Southgate. And I got a text last week and my buddy's like, hey, you know, come on down. We'll give you gas money if you come down. They paid to get rid of me before. Now they're offering <laughs> gas money for me to come down. I have new friends. That's not fair. I have new family. I have a very small, you know, blood family, but... I'm amongst my people here. You know, I... You know, I came into this program... You know, trying to be against everyone. And you guys just wouldn't... Wouldn't let that happen. I remember the second meeting I got, I went to... I must have been hugged 20 times. <laughs> and a couple of guys hugged me too. And I was like, what the hell are these dudes doing? But, you know... It's okay, I have family now. 
you know? I have a bigger family. Um, you know, this last, this last March 15th, my dad, the 11th year anniversary of my dad's death, uh, I, uh, I took two of my best friends out with me. One of them just drove me out to my mom's house and one of them went with me to, uh, to his grave. And the weird thing is, you know, I wasn't sad. I was happy. I let my emotions out. You know, I was able to tell my dad, you know, things are good. I'm working. It looks like I'm going back to school. You know, I've lost over 100 pounds. Life is good. And, uh, you know, it just keeps getting better. My, uh, compared to what it was two years ago, my life is amazing. I'm going back to school now, and I actually fit in the desks. And I was so worried about these damn English classes. But, you know, thanks to all the writing assignments that I didn't love, <laughs> I'm getting good marks. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. Life is good. That's not fair. Life is great. And it just keeps getting better. You know, I spent 26 years of my life with my eyes closed to the world just being on autopilot. And for these past 20 months, you know, my eyes are slowly opening. And it's been a long 20 months. I'm not saying time's just flashed by. I've felt these 20 months. But it's just been such a blessing. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for being part of my recovery. I guess we have time for a question or two. No? Thank you for your share. Tim, what do you do on a daily basis to get into your higher power? I uh, imperfectly, got to throw that out there, um, I wake up, say the third step prayer, read on acceptance, serenity prayer a couple times, but uh, I'm sort of a night owl. And... Uh, Sometimes what happens is I end up calling my sponsor right when I wake up. And uh, if I, if, you know, I wake up early enough, I'll say that first. If not, I will uh, call my sponsor then and do that. I make outreach calls, you know, get out of myself. And, you know, whenever something's really bothering me, I'll put it in my God box and just pass it on. All right, next question. Hi. Do you have a problem with isolation? Yes. What do you do? Do I have a problem with isolation? Yes, very much so. Um, I came into these rooms and I tried hiding. And that must have been a pitiful sight. 5'11", 360. There's there's not many basketball players in this program. Uh, (coughs) My first sponsor had me... uh, Introduce myself to three new people every uh, every meeting, and to ask it was either five or ten people. This was still in the haze. I uh, asked five or ten people to uh, how they're doing, and actually remember, and then check up on them. 
really helped me stay out of my shell. And then, you know, luckily service also has really helped. I've had a couple commitments to where I really couldn't isolate lifeline, newcomer contact, you know, all that good stuff. It's, yeah, I'm really pro-service. It really helps. Next, are we good or? All right, we're good. Thank you.